Hey, what's up? It's James. And teacher. We just want to tell you a few ways that you can support us. Financially. That's right. You can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash show. Inside the Patreon, you can find a few different packages. You got everything from like a dollar all the way up to $5,000. You know, like if you're business, you want to do some advertising, you want to be a guest on the show or something like that. But you know what? We appreciate any way you guys would like to support us. This is just another way of doing it. Or access the shop at lastreart.gallery. Check out the shop as I'm a teacher's original artwork, some stickers, and also other merch coming at you from some of the guests on our show. Thank you very much. Peace. Peace. You're listening to Paint the Town Podcast with your hosts. L.A. Street Art Gallery resident artist, teacher, and founder of L.A. Street Art Gallery, James Chen of... Yankee Town Podcast, episode 162. What's going on, bro? Is that a Madman shirt you got on? Yes, sir, it is, Madman. Um, Shout out to Madman. Hell yeah. I don't know if you can see the the back there. It's uh... it's a nice yellow shirt with a red logo on it, man. One of his classic ones. And you know what? I actually got a special t-shirt on too, man. Like normally, uh, a lot of people send us shirts, right? This one, I have it. You know, it's called the (laughs) Anti-Techno-Techno Club. Right, it's kind of a play on the anti-social social club. It's like kind of like a brand going on right now. And this is from our boys at uh, 6 a.m. Remember Jop? And uh, oh, yeah, yeah. So nice. Check this out, man. It, on their site, it's pretty cool because they actually, you know, with all this cryptocurrency stuff going on, they actually have their own. They minted their own um, crypto coin called uh, Rave Coin, man. And apparently, you can invest in it. And, um, you know, actually, like, use it as a currency in the future to buy tickets to wow. events around the world. Dude, man. you know who I, I just got an email from Mir One, okay? And he's actually working on doing some stuff with the uh, NFTs, man. I mean, oh, man. like, of, of all the people, um, you know, he's usually one that's, you know, up on cutting edge stuff and, and knows, like, if it's worth going after and just knowing that he is he himself is you know involved with it he's already done some projects with him and um yeah man blew my mind well you you know that's the future man i mean nfts is just part of the game now like before you know you have to do as a musician you got to do your vinyl your cd your you know streaming and now there's just like you always want to include an nft in there because uh you know people like collecting things and uh you know, certain things will go up in value uh, accordingly, you know. So, um, uh, like I said, it's just the, the way of the future, man. But um, you know what, man? We're talking a lot about events, man. We're talking about art. We're talking about DJing on this show always. That's pretty much the theme of this show. And today we have a very special guest because we have somebody that's actually both, man. A very legitimate DJ, music producer. Nice. And also a very legitimate uh I don't know if he would consider himself a street artist, but definitely he does a lot of murals, man. Like, you know, he's got some can control, definitely, man. So, uh, dude, if you're doing work on an outside wall, uh, technically, you know, if you're anywhere near, especially if you're anywhere near a street, you're doing street art. Oh, yeah, man. I like, I like that. So, I'm going to go ahead and bring him in, all right? Put on your red shoes and dance the blues. 
Welcome, Dan. How you doing? Can you hear us okay? Looks like his audio is still connecting. Hey, there you go. Demon yeah. Slayer. What's going on, brother? How you doing? So, guys? Doing Dude, thank good. you so much for joining us today, man. I've been trying to get this guy on the show for a long time because he's actually the two areas of this show where we basically highlight DJing, music production, and also street art, man. And I thought, damn, dude, there's a guy doing it in here in LA that's actually doing it on the professional level of both, man. So uh, welcome to the show, brother. Yo, thanks man, for thank you so me, much man. for joining us, man. Really appreciate your time, man. This is my co-host teacher, uh, legendary LA street artist, man. I like to say graffiti artist, but like, uh, you know, some people like to make different distinctions, man. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask Let's you, man. Get technical about it. <laughs> you do a lot of murals around town, man. Like, what would you consider yourself? Are you an artist, a graffiti artist, street artist? Like, what, what do you consider yourself, man? Uh, that's, that's a good question. Um, no, wait, how do I sound on the audio? Sound cool? You sound great. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Cool. Um, yeah, I actually, I, uh, you know, I've been doing art since I was a kid, you know, ever since I, was, I could remember. And as I got older, my art just, you know, evolved into whatever it was but it took me a long wait, 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 what did you what did you start with like what did you like pencil pen what kind of stuff did you start with yeah i started uh pencil pen like when i was four or five years old just drawing you know ninja turtles and uh robotic dinosaurs okay. and things like that and then where uh, where was this where did you grow up uh in riverside which is oh uh, okay you know 40 minutes from la I -E. socal man hell yeah yeah socal <laughs> awesome man so. Uh, dude, man. So first of all, this, I want to bring Dan on, especially this month, because uh, it's Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month, man. And every single week we've had, uh, you know, our regular street artists or artists come on. But I've also managed to bring, you know, somebody who's like at least a little bit Asian to kind of highlight <laughs> our heritage, man. So, uh, you know, uh, to close off the month, man, I wanted to go ahead and bring, bring on Demon Slayer, man. And, uh, you know, you know, uh, which we refer you as today, because like, you know, you're sometimes you're referred to as you know your artist name man so what would you like us to refer you what do you what do your friends call you usually man uh they just call me dan okay. uh, sometimes they call me demon which i'm not sounds kind of weird but <laughs> i guess you're hoping your close friends your close friends call yeah you that, i'm right? like slayer sounds better why why not choose that one like, I like that demon. Yeah, slayer you want some chips <laughs> <laughs> Now, now, Demon Slayer, is that, like, um, from the anime Demon Slayer, man? Uh, no, no, no. I, 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 uh, it was actually a clothing brand that started from my, well, from my friends and I in, like, 2003. Oh. And then we ended in, like, 2004. But people would still call individual members, like, Demon Slayer, you know, like, walking down the street. It's like, oh, Demon Slayer. And then uh, my DJ name at that time was Ill Kid Panda. It was mostly, like, nice. turntableist, <laughs> like, hip-hop, beat jungle. I was battling everyone funks wow. and break you know and then i was like oh you know what maybe i should go i forgot what show it was but i was like oh maybe i'll just go by demon slayer this sounds kind of cool and um it's really about slaying your inner demons though because you know the other demons there's there's a rightful place for them just like everything else dude so, exactly they kill the demons you know <laughs> first of all i first of all I, 
I love it because, like, I was just speculating with uh, a few of my friends that we were listening to some of your beats, man. And first of all, we'll talk about music in a second. And then I was just like, dude, it doesn't really, you don't really have, like, an anime-looking brand, man. I was like, I don't, you know, and it, so, so I just had to clarify, just get that out of the way, basically. You know, I'm not Wait, a- before we go further, I got a question. So, nationality, what's your, your background? Uh, I'm Vietnamese. I'm first-generation Vietnamese, born in Riverside. My parents came straight from Vietnam. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, and I lived, I was born and raised in Riverside in L.A., but the last 10 years, I was living in Asia, and then I just came back uh, oh. a few years ago to L.A. So yeah, Holy was, uh, cow, where in Asia? Uh, in Vietnam mostly, but I was touring and traveling around, like, Hong Kong and China. Oh, my God, dude. Nice, man. Nice, man. Let me tell you something, man. You're, you're literally, like, living, like, you know, my dream right now, man. Be you know why? Because it's, like... Dude, you, you, you've done the Coachella. You've done the... You don't have any kids, do you? You have any kids? No, no, I don't. Oh, dude, you're... Of course you're, you don't. You're ah, triple living my kidding. dream I'm now. Kidding. You don't have kids. <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean? You're touring in Asia, man. You know, and then now you're com coming back in the U.S. as an import, and you're involved in the art scene. I mean, you're literally like, if I wanted to have a... Blue Wait, what were you I doing in Asia? What, what kind of stuff did you do in Asia? Well, first, uh, I just went there to kind of like, um, just like chill, you know? But then eventually I was like, this is pretty tight. I'll, I'll stay here for like six months. And I still did creative jobs the whole time. But then six months came and I was like, this is tight. Then a year. Which city were you in in Vietnam? <laughs> this I was is in Saigon. Stay a little Saigon? Longer. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ho Chi Minh City. Yeah. Now, you know what? Oh, shit. I haven't ever been wow. to, um, I haven't been to Vietnam, man. Um, I used to live in Malaysia for a little while. I understand. Oh, like, are you, Mala that, are you Malaysian? You know, well, my, no, I didn't, but I actually used to live in Malaysia when I went to international school there for like a, a year and a half freshman um, year and Taiwan I lived in. So I lived in like Southeastern Asia for a little bit in high school. And, uh, you know, I came back, man. And then like, um, uh, but the thing is like, what, what I understand is a lot of times for us Asian artists, man, it's actually a benefit to actually go to Asia and kind of like, just kind of like try to meet people and do a little bit tour yourself because you know, American people, we like imported things, man. For some reason, oh, if you're yeah. Asian, and you're cultured. homegrown, man. We like cultured things. You're homegrown. You, know? you don't seem like you're so. Am I, he's not in his head right now, right? Like, you know, you know. I mean, for for example, a lot of the Korean American artists that, like, for example, uh, there's a DJ named Yeji right now. Like, you know, you know, she's oh yeah, actually, I know Yeji. You know, yeah. she's from like New York actually. But when mm -hmm. we were first introduced to her, it kind of seemed like it was a Korean import you, you know what i mean like that seems to be the way of like uh managing your music right it, it was that a conscious thing for you or it was it was just kind of like no it just kind of uh i just kind of at that time i was very spontaneous very you know artist mindset like i would just go where i went so i never planned anything like um you nice. know, just kind of organically created itself you know so i'm only starting to like really direct my life fully now like going back to america i was like the fuck like i gotta i got adult i gotta do i gotta do all this like paperwork shit and then it's like oh all right, i guess retirement oh man like all the adulting stuff because because in asia it's it's different you know like it's there's still infrastructure and like red tape with things but i just i don't know i feel like thing in vietnam at least things were a little more like lax than the U.S., you know, it's very, it's more stressful here. Societal. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, especially here in California. Good Yeah, grief. especially in L.A., yeah. Well, in, in Viet, like, 
and I've, I've always been told whenever my friends go back that, to uh, Vietnam, because I, I have a lot of Vietnamese friends, and then um, they say it's kind of like We're not cutting that, out a little bit. I'm saying it's kind of like not that big when you go to Vietnam, right? Can you hear me okay? Oh, you have a call coming in? No, it, it cut out for a little bit. I just heard you say uh, your friends come back and then. No, I said they go back to Vietnam and then it's like, it's not really like, I mean, there's a lot of people there, but it's like still kind of like a developing area, right? A lot of times. It, yeah, it's still developing. Um, but, you know, in the center of the city, it's like super cosmopolitan, hipster, but, you know, just in the center, in the main district. But as the further you go out, it's still developing. If you go out like an hour, you're like literally like, in the it jungle, looks really basically. like you know you're in the fields and stuff. There's cattle. It's like super rural. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of motorcycles in Vietnam. <laughs> right, yeah, totally. <laughs> so still, huh? So, yeah, still. So it's, I, I always thought it's super cool because it's like if you know uh, Vietnamese, I mean, pretty much you can actually go there, go back to Vietnam. You can actually do a lot. There's a lot of opportunities for businesses like back and forth too. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's even if you don't know Vietnamese, like there's there's expats as we call them, that come over there, even like Vietnamese Americans who don't know Vietnamese, they come over there and, you know, there's a lot of opportunity. And if you're dope, you can sustain it, you know? Like, I think the cool thing about Vietnam is like, it's not like LA and like, you know, America, like we've had dope culture for decades, you know, forever. So we're saturated, everyone's dope. You know, people come here to be dope. So Vietnam, like it's still, building that aspect so it's a little bit more you can have the opportunity will present itself like more streamlined than here in LA in LA it will but you gotta like you gotta and there's so many so many more others trying to get that same thing yeah and Vietnam is tight too because you know a lot of people get chances if you're good at what you do you can sustain you know but there's a lot of times people just get a chance just because their expats are their asian american you know and, and vietnamese are thirsty for that too and like oh like you're dope let's do some stuff together and sometimes it's just they it doesn't work out you know but it's just kind of like any country that you go into as a visitor to live right you gotta like um you know inter assimilate with the culture there and you know like kind of like be humble and exchange exchange the energy you know because a lot of places like they're kind of tired of visitors you know like uh i don't know bangkok thailand's very touristy sometimes people are super oh yeah man come in there and they just get thrashed and like even in parts of vietnam like the touristy spots like some people just go in there to party you know which is understandable but uh yeah you know there's like a, it may be understandable but not uh not really respected yeah, you got to be aware, you know, and then that kind of brings it to how some uh, aspects of American culture are, you know, like, I grew up in America, I understand, like, in schools, like, we, we don't really look outside of typical, normal, mainstream American mentality is very individualistic. It's not, it's like, um, it's more- They never like, stop to say, I wonder what this other country is thinking about us. Yeah, there's not that much of that, I feel, you know, versus where um, some Europeans I met, it's a little bit more, they're a little more, more self-aware, maybe. I don't know. I could, well, the thing yes. is, like, like you said, yes. you know, self-aware, exactly. In America, we focus so much on the individual, individual rights, right? And the thing is, like, in places like Asia, people are already grouped up together, man. These people are all Vietnamese people. These people well, are all- The last four years, we focused on America <laughs> first. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
what hey, for your country. Whatever exactly it has differing things to you know everybody, but but yeah, man, you yeah. know what? Let's get let's get back and talk about art, man, because like uh, I kind of want to start from the beginning. Now, when did you go to Vietnam? Um, what age were you? Uh, 2011. I was like 28. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So it's. So if you, you pretty much already like spent most of your life here and then you just went back to chill and just kind of find some opportunity, right? So were you already doing art and stuff like that during that period of time before you went back? Yeah, I was doing art and then um, I was doing art my whole life. I was like, I had a academia stint and then I thought that industry was whack and out of touch. So I just focused more on the streets. And then um, I was DJing and making music. I had a, a club here called Beat Cinema which is in LA, we do stuff with uh, low end theory and stuff that, that style ah, of music. Nice. And it's still going on. We're on like our 11th year. But um, yeah, everything nice. was popping. Like I was like, you know, I, I felt great over here. Had no reason to like leave America, like to go look for something else, you know, but I just- Perfect went, time to do it. Yeah, now it's a little different. <laughs> well, yeah, now not now. <laughs> But yeah, I just went over there to chill. And then I was like, wow. Like, actually, I went to Vietnam first when I was eight with okay. my family. And mm. I was American boy, you know, me and my brother got to Vietnam. And we're like, yo, this shit is trash, dude. Where are <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Small, when you're like, <laughs> well, like when we were yeah, eight. You know what? I gotta, let me just say right now, I, I, I'm going to have to apologize. It's you know, kind of a ridiculous apology. But um, <clears throat> my dad was in the Air Force. And, you know, unfortunately, he was partially responsible for what happened over there. You know, he himself didn't do it, but he went over there and basically showed all the soldiers how to use all the big weapons and everything. And, right. um, you know, to uh, to recover from that, um, I just I can't imagine what the place looks like now. You know? Yeah. I mean, oh, this man. is this is like 18. This is like many years ago. So I can't imagine Vietnam being very undeveloped still. Right. So we yeah, went this there is like 96. Yeah. They just just opened an embargo like. I don't know what eight years after that or something. So things were mm -hmm. super developing, and like I was like the only like graph kid, hip hop kid. Like I remember asking all the kids there because we went to the rural side. I was like, "Do you guys listen to hip hop? Do you know?" Because at that time I was super hip hop, like backpacker. I had dreads, camo, everything. Oh yeah. Now when you say graph. Did you go out and do uh, bubble letters or tagging or whatever? Yeah, I was just mostly tagging because L.A. back okay. then didn't fuck with bubble letters, you know? Like, we were just tags and, and productions. And didn't have that much time. Got to get it done. Get out of there, right? Yeah, it was just tag banging, you know, back then. So I remember going there and being like, do you listen to hip-hop? Do you listen to hip-hop? And they're like, yeah. And they would play me what hip-hop was, and it wasn't even hip-hop. It was just like Euro dance <laughs> techno, you know? Yeah, yeah, But like yeah. now, oh, my God. Like, now it's it's... A lot of that, a lot of that cultures carry over. I mean, the EDM scene. I'm sure. It, Vietnamese Sorry, people... little sidebar. What did What did you write when you were tagging? What What did you write? Uh, I wrote a lot of different words. Uh, I wrote "pass" oh. for a while. I wrote "panda" for a while, and then that name I had to retire that name because it, it got kind of crazy. Um, well, that leads to my next question. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah, right now I still write a few words, but okay. Any any close calls or any any visits to the uh, with the with the you know silver in, bracelets in Vietnam? Anywhere? Oh man, chase! I got so many chase stories, dude. Like, <laughs> some insane. I love it, dude. Dude, you know what? We okay. Like, wait, wait, wait. What about in Vietnam? Vietnam. Um, 
It's a little different there. So it's like, yeah. I mean, don't they don't whack really, something off there? No, it's easier there. You don't really get chased. Where is it? They do that. Where the fuck am I thinking uh, of? Singapore. Malaysia. Singapore, you get cane. Oh yeah. Yeah. Singapore. Yeah. I, yeah. When I was, uh, I went no, dude, there's somewhere where they like, I mean, I don't know what it is you have to do, but they just whack your fucking hand off. Mm. Oh, like cut steel. It off. Yeah. Oh, I think that was a rumor in India, but I don't know if that was ever real. Yeah, but you know what? During the period of time when I was living okay. in Malaysia, that Singapore uh, graffiti incident, caning incident was going on. And I remember that was so crazy because it's like this uh, American kid had to go through this caning. And I remember the sentiment in Asia was like, oh, well, this American, he's just acting American here in the Singapore. You, you know what I mean? Were, were you already writing graph during that period of time, Dan? Yeah, I was. And I remember that. <laughs> And I was like, I kind of, I remember not really caring, just like, dang, this guy must be embarrassed. But apparently someone told me who he was and, I, and it was kind of a known writer at that time. Oh, really? What happened is he, he painted on a cop car, a Singaporean cop car. And then what an idiot. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know what, though, if he, you know what, if he was a true writer, we got, we should look that up, man, because if he's a true writer, he's a fucking legend, then, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that totally changes his reputation, man, so we'll, we'll definitely dig that up next Dude, time. caning is gnarly. Some people, that, what did that involve? Yeah. I mean, they it's just like, take a bamboo uh, stick What are the canes made like, out of? Bamboo. bamboo yeah 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 and then they just uh you know they they they, they leave and lashes how many, how many basically. times do they whack you let me let I me think see. for him it was like seven or something or let me see oh. singapore caning it's like the it, it, they like put you like this yeah kind of like a whole crowd. yeah arms up arms yeah. jumping out yeah like you're like a gladiator oh, oh man all right i'm so. just looking it up right now basically I mean, this guy was, he did eight, vandalized 18 cars over a 10 period day in 1993. And uh, he basically, his dude promo- had some coffee, had some serious, like an espresso. And he was just like, Singaporean milk coffee. <laughs> that, that, uh, I forgot what it's called, but, um, yeah. And it's fucking like Vietnamese coffee. It's super strong, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? But dude, this guy got six lashes. Yeah. Six strokes from the cane, and then uh, four months imprisonment, and uh, three thousand five hundred dollar fine. Uh, well, yeah, got four months prison. I thought you caning will rip your skin open. Yeah, like, but I'm just saying. I'm trying to figure out what he wrote, man. I mean, that that like honestly, if he was actually like a legit writer, yeah, that, that yeah. would be crazy. Like <laughs> when I when I was told his name, I was like, oh, I've heard of that guy before. Mm, mm. Interesting, mm. man. Dude, man, but I, don't I you know the guy that did the caning? buddies and everything you know before he goes out yeah dude i get i'm gonna do the cane tomorrow i'm gonna i'm I'm the caner yeah that's me (laughs) extra hard man got the donut on the swinger doing my exercises right now getting ready for that kid oh dude man dad i had no idea you were such an og in in the game man like you know i mean like so let's talk about a little bit about some of your yeah Let's talk Sorry, a little bit ahead. about a little bit about your most recent, uh, artwork, man. Um, dude, I saw you're painting some murals recently, man. I'm gonna go ahead and bring them up as you mentioned them, dude. Yeah, you painted uh, pinks recently, right? Oh yeah, pinks was just kind of like a design collab with an agency for a activation. Nice, nice, man. This is oh, if you don't know, nice pinks, clean. pinks yeah. is like uh, you know one of the probably the most classic LA hot dogs. Oh, it's stands. big. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't it's, realize how big it is. Yeah, that's why I, have to put that <laughs> I mean, okay, that sounds a little weird, but um, photo in. 
Yeah, yeah, man, dude, that, that's awesome, man. Like painting one of those LA iconic, you know, venues, man. I mean, that, yeah, that's awesome. I'm actually, I'm actually in talk with uh, Richard Pink, and uh, I'm gonna do a different design on there, like actually one that's like, uh, you know, a little. It won't look like that. It'll be very like. Not sure yet, but I'm actually painting that wall over. I think like next week or the week after. Okay, oh, sweet, that's dope, dude. For a permanent, a permanent piece, so I'm super stoked on that. Oh, dude, dude we gotta make sure you get that up man. on LA Street Art Gallery. As soon as he gets that, uh, that's yeah, up, yeah, man. yeah. We'll definitely. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna be a very like street arty type of type of piece for sure. Let me, hey, let me ask <laughs> street you, man. Street arty. <laughs> when you painted this wall pink, did you all of a sudden had like a thousand girls flocking over here to try to take selfies in front of this pink wall, man? <laughs> no, apparently that. <laughs> apparently, it's already famous for. Just being a pink wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. That's what I was saying. Yeah. A lot of the, uh, you know, that's like a world famous tourist spot for LA now, man. You, you know, I mean, people don't want to see the uh, uh, Griffith Observatory. You know, they want to come to LA to uh, to take a picture in front of the pink wall. Yeah. I'm definitely <laughs> you know. not painting uh, angel wings on there for sure. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 We got Kamat Miller doing Colette. that already too. The original. She was actually one. our first, uh, you know, interview that we did. On yeah. this podcast. Uh -oh. Yeah, because wow. the reason was we figured we were like, dude, everybody's like always painting the wings when we have the original uh, Colette Miller that painted the wings. And nobody actually knows anything about her. People are just like, oh, Instagram wow. in front of the wings, you know? I mean, so for this show, we kind of like to, like I said, it's kind of like a community of artists and fans of art and also DJs because I'm the DJ music producer, man. And it's kind of like, um, you know, we get to find out a lot of information behind a lot of these murals and uh, artists, yeah. too. So you know what? Speaking of which, the, the wings, that's wild. You guys found her. Yeah. 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 She's, yeah. Uh, she's oh, absolutely. Let me uh, paint. Uh, set up. Um, shit. What was I going to say? Uh, oh, I'd like to get technical with you a second when it comes down to uh, what's considered graffiti and street art. Okay. Um, because, uh, you know, uh, wrong. It's just because of the way it sounds, I think. Um, you know, no one wants to be called street artist if you're a grapher you know if you're a grapher if you're a writer that's what you are right grapher yeah. or writer i do graph i write yeah right mm -hmm. okay well if when these guys are doing their writing if they're getting fancy and they're starting to do some badass letters where it's kind of hard to tell what that letter is mm -hmm. guess what that becomes mm. that's abstract Right. It's beautiful. It's amazing. I got amazing, you know, I mean, these, like, you know, I don't know if you know who Sauterre is. Yeah. Sauteezy. Yeah, totally. Saut. Dude, the pieces he does up on billboards just, yeah. I, they blow my mind. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, a lot of people, they can't really exactly make out where some of the letters right. start yeah. and it's where like they are. So style. that becomes abstract. Now, technically, yeah. graffiti is something that is easily readable. It, it conveys a message. It has initials or, you know, uh, letters or whatever. Right. So technically, a lot of these guys that think they're grabbers or writers are street artists. Mm -hmm. And they always like calling me the street artist, you know. Mm -hmm. And luckily, I didn't have anything to prove. You know what I mean? I was like 41 when I started doing street <laughs> art. I could care less trying to, you know, show whose dick's bigger at this shit. I'm just trying to get a message and whatever you know what i mean so um but yeah you know my technically wait wait just let me finish technically the stuff that i was putting out you know even if it was just teach peace 
was more graffiti-esque mm. than these guys. But I'm not going to have that conversation with them. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? <laughs> because all it's going to do is there's going to be like, yeah, fuck you. You're still a street artist and I'm a graffer. Yeah, I think, I think for me, I totally know what you think if you describing is the, the technical aspect. Like you said earlier, technical. Exactly. Street. When it comes to slang. <laughs> right. For me to street art and graffiti is just different cultures, you know, like yes. there's, there's street artists, there's graph, there's writers who are also street artists because their culture foundation is graffiti. Street artists who, you know, don't know about graffiti culture because anyone can, a normal artist, like you paint on canvas, if you yeah. paint that on the street, then you're kind of a street artist, right? But for me, like, it's very, like, the culture. Like, if you know about graph culture, you're kind of different than someone who just paints a big piece on the wall or something, so. Exactly. And also, back in the day, there were no real, like, graph writer street artists, you know? It's either you write right. Or if you're a street artist, you're fucking corny, painting shit for the city, or like, you know, that was frowned upon. But back then, <laughs> a lot of things were frowned upon with graffiti, you know? You were only allowed to use spray paint. You off the wall or you'd be toy, you know? Nowadays, like, everything is, like, you know, melting together. So I really... You know what, uh, like, yeah, I, as a fan... Here's a good example right here, Risk. You know what I mean? Yeah, Risky. Exactly. Yeah, he, he, you know, used to do serious he, hardcore graph. Forever, you know graph, I mean? like, even though now he just does abstract, like color gradients. You know, he's still yep. very graffiti. Like, and yeah, it's so interesting. You know, you know, for me, I think it's just a. It's been like a few different generations. Like, you know, as a, from a DJ perspective, <clears throat> um, like you, you know, you, you know, we can totally. Back in the day, there was way so much more beef. <laughs> amongst djs would yeah. you say so dead right you know yeah, the everyone was battling you know there's always just like battling it's like turn tape and you know what what's kind of crazy is that to be honest like um i'm born in 83 man so you can kind of understand a little bit the, the gauge of the age i am like i totally scratching was like hey you need to know how to scratch in order to be a dj when i was a kid yeah. you at least need a minimum proficiency of like you know a little bit baby scratches or whatever at least you know, whack <clears throat> Yeah, or else it's like, but now it's like scratching has basically con completely like almost exited the, uh, I mean, you know, we're not even making vinyl. The repertoire. Here, you, know, you know what I mean? So it's just like, it's almost like a, I, I think it's like juggling to me, man. Like literally juggling. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's cool, but not that many people find it like as cool anymore. You know, people are more interested in different types of sounds and these People, um, I mean, including myself, who are music producers now, we kind of like produce different sounds and this thing is called a DJ now, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's just like, it's really interesting how like these terms evolve and, uh, but I think it, you know, as the generations go on, there just seems to be less beef and it's more like, hey, what are you doing? And it's not so much like hating on like um, <clears throat> exactly what, uh, you, you know, somebody from a different culture is, is doing, you know what I mean? I, I think there's still hate, but it's just more like different, it's like people aren't hating on people for skill or technique anymore. They're hating for like, you know, IG cloud. <laughs> other stuff. Cause I don't yes, feel like, absolutely correct. Like love yep. never goes away. Hate never goes away. It's just 
different um uh and speaks the truth i guess there's so many more easy things to hate on people about (laughs) that 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 skill is no longer that big of a a deal right i wanted to show you real quick though um this is some uh, my man teaches uh uh, artwork man basically so you know it's super cool man and like uh you know one of the reasons why i asked him to host the show is because he has this duality of like being a street artist but he has these like nice fine like freehand strokes too you know so i just wanted to kind of bring up some of the teacher's work uh to share with the audience man um but like i said man it's uh, uh look i look like i'm the wall <laughs> I'm the same color as that wall is right, now, my shirt on. right now but uh also i wanted to bring up real quick um dude this is the, the one of our first episodes of this podcast the uh the lady colette miller a brilliant artist who painted these wings. This is a picture of her and Halle Berry, based, uh, Halle Berry with the wings too. Like, you know, a lot of people know a lot about, um, they see these images all the time, but they know nothing about the artist, right? You know, so that's why we kind of wanted to have this podcast to kind of share that extra dimension of voice uh, with the people who see the art all the time. You know what I mean? I got a question for you. Um, because uh, my buddy, yeah, over here, um, I always get mixed up because when I'm looking at this, he's over here, but he tells me when he shows it, it's over there. So yep, I you got it right. Yeah. Pointing to nobody over here in my place. Um, anyway, James tells me that as uh, a music producer, he finds it much harder than like in the art world. You are on both sides. You've done the, the DJing, the music, and you've done the art world, which, what would you say? Uh, I say it's, individual because you got to find collaborating is and it depends how you're collaborating like if you're doing it live you know you need to be able to like vibe with the person like energy wise their workflow their morale during the session and then you have the whole technical aspect like everyone works technically different you know like they're maybe i do these parts first and but someone else you know so for me like I like collaborating with uh, people who just kind of pick up where I um, like am slacking in or something, you know, for instance, if I'm super energized during the beginning of the session and then towards the it's boring, then I need someone who's, you know, like constantly like hyped or something like that, you know? And I think, I see. yeah, and I think the sound, the product after that, I think that's just kind of a byproduct. Uh, of the session like the energy exchanged so that's if i'm collaborating with someone face to face but there's times where i collaborate where someone just sends over stems or samples or sounds and then i'm just in my studio by myself doing the thing so you know and then for painting like it's kind of the same like when i paint with someone hang out with them too you know so you have to i got to talk to them and you know like bounce their ideas off of me vice versa so um yeah i think it's i think collaborating is just kind of just working with you just gotta find people who work well with you you know like i used to be in bands too and some bands like the music i was like yeah this is pretty cool but we got along really well versus other bands like the music was genius but then like (laughs) there's so much inner beef with the homies you know like but Oh, dude, I'll tell you right now. <clears throat> See, this is what I'm talking about. I always <clears throat> constantly tell teachers, I said, I feel like in music, it's just like, there's a lot of, it, there's a lot of like, I, for me personally, I feel like it's like, I don't know, maybe it just takes so much brain power on multiple dimensions. Like when you're collaborating while painting, like 
you're kind of just looking at one flat surface or like how can we improve this flat surface like in music there's like <clears throat> the 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 sound not design. exactly but no i don't know that's what i'm saying this is this is how i feel as a as a musician who could who's a fan no, of no, art, no, you right? know what you know here's how i can relate with what he was just talking about okay i used to play a lot of two-man beach volleyball okay and the thing about two-man beach volleyball is you never know how mad a skill someone has by what they look like i've seen guys that little chubby guys would you wouldn't think would even play volleyball got mad skills you know like anything you hit you know they pop up you know and they got beautiful hands perfect set and everything you know um and then you see big you know tall perfect looking guys that they they can't even side out the damn thing you know what i mean um <clears throat> oh excuse me excuse me a second <clears throat> well, you remember that brand called side out I Side out. I'll pull it up while you guys are talking. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> cool. exactly. Um, anyway, you know, I would rather play a game against a guy who asshole who can play well. You know what I mean? Instead of a guy who is just nice as can be but sucks at playing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You you get more out of it. Mm, yeah. So it's it's come down to what are you willing to accept yeah. to get those unicorn tears? <laughs> it's interesting that James, you you your music and teaches art, and you guys often have these type of. Uh, you know what? <clears throat> it's cool because like this is how kind of we met, and then uh, we're just gonna I'm just just go over for Dan. Uh, Teach always asked me to DJ his uh, uh, you know show art shows. And um, long story, I had a blog basically that other people run, a, a street art blog, and Teach was one of the artists that we featured. So, I mean, 10 years later now, it was just like, hey, we've known each other through this world and kind of collaborated on and off on these projects. And it's always super smooth. Like I said, we always have good conversation, chatting. He, I pick up where he's, he, he's uh, missing and he picks up where I'm missing. Oh, in areas. <clears throat> dude, has all, I almost did this again. Um, dude has also really helped me out with like certain situations getting set up with my artwork and people trying to take advantage of me and he being like, look, dude, no, 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 no. Cause he's I'm like the business side of entrepreneur, total basically. business side of, you know? Yeah. And then once I look at it that way, I'm like, oh dude, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. And it's cool because like, and we actually have this, uh, I, um, kind of rapport basically because there's no competition like at all in terms right. of projects too. Right. Sometimes you're like, oh, that person got a wall. How did you get that opportunity? Or I'm like, oh, you played that gig. Like, you know what I mean? <clears throat> yeah. Like, how can you help me to play that gig? Or X, Y, Z, or how can you help me to get that wall kind of thing? For us, it's kind of just like, we look at it from a kind of a macro point of view of art, you know? And I think that's why kind of like, it's awesome because we talk to so many different people and, you know, we talk to artists big and small and it's kind of like, we've been able to get a lot of cool perspective, but I'm always curious about talking to guys like you who are, <laughs> who are doing it in both fields on a professional level too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, because it's, it's not easy to do, man, even just one of these things and, yeah. and to be able to like uh, do it on a professional level for both, man. I mean, like, like I said, major props, man. Thanks, man. I wanted to bring so up anything, uh, any, anything coming up you're working on you want to talk about? Um, I'm a, oh man, yeah. Um, I guess this is fresh in my mind. I was just working on it yesterday is, um, uh, so there's 
so I'll start with the genre of the story. So it's Vietnamese New Wave. And what happened is like, um, you know, after the war, during the war, like 75-ish, um, a lot of Vietnamese people migrated to, um, you know, the US and Europe. And then also in 81, I think it was, there was a huge second um, migration. So, you know, 85-ish, like everyone's kind of settled in and new wave music is like popping, right? So, you know, people started, uh, the Vietnamese started assimilating and uh, making, you know, new wave beats like on analog synthesizers and like they're doing covers and the tracks are in Vietnamese. So, Fast forward to, you know, mid 80s when I was growing up, my um, older cousins were like super new wave and like goth, you know, which is like rare for back then because a lot of Vietnamese people were just wanting to like be quiet and small and like fit. <laughs> you know, there was a lot of anti-Vietnamese sentiment still like from the war, it's very fresh, you know, and just being an Asian American in general, you know, the model minority myth, like just put your head down and work, you know, like save money, et cetera. So being like goth and new wave in the eighties was like, you know, it was like, fuck you, like very like, you know, post-punk, you know, dark wave, minimal style, you know? So my, my older, you know, passed these tapes on to me, mm -hmm. uh, showed me pictures, like about um, all the stories, like the, how to dress, all that stuff. So in like you know 2005 2007 like i find some of these old tapes and i'm like dude these beats are bang because they're like analog sounding <laughs> like daft punk beats you know so then oh, yeah i started making a mixtape of that and then when i went to vietnam my little studio flooded and i lost like probably 95 percent of all that stuff so since then <sighs> yeah i've been like digging and like finding the tracks again and finding new tracks and pretty soon I'm going to be releasing a Vietnamese new wave, like mixtape where it's like, there's a lot of corny new wave, but this is like, this stuff is like, too. it's like, dude, that's awesome, man. I'm, I'm dude, I look forward to hearing it. Yeah. So hopefully like, I mean, I've been working on it for like 10, 12 years, you know, just a little Whoa. bit. Cause a lot okay. of it is restoring the audio. Cause a lot of the audio is just really crappy recordings from tapes, you know? And like, wobbly and warped like so like going in there and like performing surgery like engineering it like the frequency oh my god and like fixing it yeah and then making some edits also because there's some really corny parts it was the 80s you know there's a lot <laughs> yeah i know dude that's when i grew up okay I, i'm i was born in 69 okay so i'm uh, yeah oh my god during the 80s i had the i know it's uh, you were glanced out Oh no 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 no! I was I was living in a, in a little fishing village, and I had I had a mullet. So oh nice! So you were wearing really short jean shorts with that mullet, and like yeah, it was bad. <laughs> I like that the, the jean cutoffs, man. That's that's just like eighties. <laughs> Mine weren't very short, you know what I mean? Like luckily, at least I had like some some uh, beach shorts that I would wear. You know, and you know, and my parents, you know, being military, they didn't like me tearing up my shit, so. You know, they want me to cut anything up. God forbid, you know. Yeah, I was my parents back then. Dude, you know, it's pretty awesome, man. It seems like you're still very connected to, like, what's going on in, like, I feel like Vietnamese Americans, man, they have, like, a very interesting place 
for uh, like you know because they actually have the voice I, f I feel like they they understand both sides america and vietnam and just like for us china for me uh my parents are from taiwan but basically i'm chinese you know, you know what i mean it's like right. our advantage is actually just being that bridge back and forth actually because we can actually <clears throat> understand both cultures and uh, it's very rare uh, for people to actually really, really have a good grasp on like the traditions and subtle nuances of Asian culture. And, uh, you know, like I said, our boorish American behaviors and, you know, different, not or even the desire to even know about it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> who cares what people think about America? America first. Yeah, America I first. No, a lot. And so I actually went to Vietnam and lived there. And so much was revealed to me because like growing up, my parents, were Vietnamese, you know, like super Vietnamese. They spoke English, but they said to, you know, in the house, it's only Vietnamese, which I'm thankful for. Yeah, nice. right. Yeah, so some people we've been talking on this show, it's like, hey, you're raised to be assimilated and now all of a sudden you're, you're an adult and then you don't, you have to go back to your country and people expect you to take them around and do you don't even know how to speak the language or anything, right? You know what I mean? So it's like, we gotta be thankful. Like my parents, my, my pops was like, all right, you can speak English or whatever, but I don't understand English, okay? So you're only speaking Chinese to me, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but yeah, go on. You only spoke uh, Vietnamese at home, so uh, it was an advantage to you, right? Yeah, it was an advantage. And, um, but, you know, growing up, like, we clashed all the time, you know, because Vietnamese, like, morals and, like, you know, identity is the kind of the opposite of American, you know? So I was, like, this young teenager growing up and you know like for instance like I dyed my hair and in Vietnam during that time my parents time no good kids dyed their hair only like the bad like you know street kids who don't go to school dye their hair so <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck like, you focus on like I just dyed like one bang like light brown and she's like you know like you got one highlight you got one yeah, highlight in the front highlight. And it was like sun in, you know, and it was like five shades lighter than my darker hair. You know? <laughs> my mom's like, I did so much for you. We went to America to give you a better future. And here you are dying your, your bang brown, you know, and dude, it was such a struggle, man. And, you know, I was so angry. I was like, why are my parents so strict, dude? Why the fuck are you so strict? And then when I moved back to Vietnam, I was like, oh, they're not strict. They're just being Vietnamese, you know? Like, Vietnamese people put education <laughs> first. They value school, you know? And I'm just like, this whole time, this whole time, you could have just communicated to me, like, you know? But, you know, it's all good. Like, they did the best they could do. I'm yeah, you know, it's crazy because I feel like, um, especially, like, any of the kids who want to uh, pursue any sort of, like, artist or creative career, Telling that to your parents is almost as worse as like, fuck you to your parents. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, hell. Like, my parents just accepted my career like three years ago and they still don't know what I do. You know, they, they think I just paint all the time, like, miracle. Because I do like brandy. I'm a, I'm a creative director and I work in advertising consulting. Oh. And yeah, and they think that I just. And you do music too, man. Right? You know what I mean? So and you know, they see me on TV or in newspapers or and stuff, and they're just like, yeah, good job, you know? And it's, <laughs> you know, it's funny, man. Thank you for telling me because it's like, I actually, like, my parents, like, they actually, you know, I've had to, like, I'm, I'm pretty close to my parents, and I literally kind of, like, had to 
force them. Hey, it's like, hey, you don't care enough. You need to sit down and listen to my music. Like, right, you know, I kind of put it in their face because I know they, they don't, they kind of don't have the capacity to understand like what we're doing <clears throat> uh, as Asian Americans, man. Because, you know, they're, they're still understanding like, it's like, how much money does it make? <laughs> right? That's, that's their first question, right? It's like, if it doesn't make money, then, then why are you doing this? Basically, it's like, yeah. you know what I mean? Right? That, those are the questions like, you know, you know, we're always getting asked, man. I think like, um, you know, as Asian Americans, we're always struggling to find our own identity as Asian Americans, because we're not like Asians from Asia. Like, you know, what I mean, like you said, your parents are Vietnamese, they grew up in those certain traditions. And, you know, for me, I'm always thankful, man. I'm like, I'm not going to have kids, so I don't have to deal with any sort of <laughs> this type that's, of That's That's because I was like, dude, uh-uh. <laughs> I, I don't know if you knew or not. Um, <clears throat> Slayer, I have uh, twins. They're uh, a boy and a girl. They're 10 years old. They'll be 11 in August. So uh, anytime job. he ever thinks about, thank you, <laughs> is what more of my wife than anything. You know what I mean? Like, huge oh my god anyway um you know anytime he gets to thinking that you know maybe i am just like just give me a call just give me a call <laughs> let me talk to you for a little bit okay what's that you're gonna go do what next month when where really and you're gonna get to do that aren't you well guess what what, what would happen if you were all plans ready to go and all said oh no you're not gonna go you're gonna do this instead yeah Damn. yeah you thought you were going to get to go play some music right now and do some little creative stuff or something like that? No. All of a sudden, no. Right when you're in the middle of it, stop and go <gasps> fix some food. Fix some dinner. Fix some lunch. It's yeah. a tough gig being a parent. You, you, you know what I mean? Like, you're, you know, you're not going to have be able to do things and achieve things like, you know, Dan's been able to achieve that. Uh, I, you know what? Like I said, there's things that you've done, man, that are on my bucket list, man. You know? Flair, um, do you have any kids? No, no. You already asked so me. So smart. So smart. Yeah. <laughs> See, his mind's That's going so already, smart. man. His mind's going already because he has kids, man. This is, this is what I mean. I knew that. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing, okay? <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest with you a little bit about this. You know, I mean, I knew that, um, you know, uh, when I was younger, like in my 38, 30, 40s or whatever, I, I realized that at some point, you know, kids respond to me well because I act like a fucking kid. You know what I mean? I should probably be a mentor or something like that. And I did a little bit of that for a while. Um, but, uh, you know, what I find is that for an artist, if you get to where you're too comfortable, you turn into a piece of shit. Oh, fast. You know? There you fast. go. So I figure it's good to, to be tortured a little bit every once <laughs> in a while. You know? Kind of... Um, well, that's so, actually interesting to hear. I never heard that, this, this, uh, this little... Not, don't be too comfortable it's true. actually it's true. Okay. you make it comfortable too too comfortable and like set up mac daddy sweet and everything all the thing everything they need they'll turn into a piece of shit yeah now you you make that artist go through some character building moments you're gonna get some character building artwork out of it yeah you need some so <laughs> um well, hold on, hold on. It's, uh, as, as long as it doesn't kill me <laughs> which at times it almost has uh yeah it's uh and here's the other thing once they get to where they're off on their own um and this is what i've been told actually um and i'm hoping it's gonna you know come to fruition um i can kind of feel it too um once the kids get to where you're you're, you're turning into the empty nest they're off and on their own and everything you know, all of a sudden you've got all this extra fucking time mm -hmm. 
that's when you start hitting like your second life and just start blowing up shit because all of a sudden you got all this extra energy that you can put towards something. Mm. So but even I'm if just going to make house. sure that, uh, yeah, wherever, you know, living out of a, a truck or whatever, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to, and I'm just going to make sure that when that time comes that, you know, I've got a direction, good solid direction that I'm going and some things that I'm going to be working on. So, so, what, uh, so what's Slayer. that when they're, when they're like 18 around or, well, for my daughter, maybe when she's 14, she's ready to get out of here. She's ready to leave us tomorrow. You know what I mean? She's <laughs> like, uh, you guys annoy the fuck out of me. I'll stay here while I have to, but as soon as I can, you know, make some money and do my own thing, I'm out of here. My son, you know, he's a little bit different story. He's like, he wants to, live list till you know whenever you know which is fine with me love the kid but uh and who knows what may happen you know it could turn the other way around they're twins i don't know um but uh Peace, we're almost humble. up in an hour man i want to make sure i ask a few what? questions yeah Jeez, man this wow, hour dude. flew by man Dan, we got well, it's the company we got some amazing company here i lose track of time i just started yeah, rambling man, and- you know we had such a good time. We got to have you. We have some in studio episodes, like we mentioned before, too. You, you know what I mean? We're cracking a few beers with uh, some people, man. We'd love to invite you again. But hey, man. I Unless you have- don't drink. Like, if you're. <laughs> he doesn't think sometimes, it's like, you know, we could have someone who used to be a raging alcoholic. They've been sober for like five years. Yeah, man, we'll have a drink. Uh, actually, oh, do you guys drink I, on the on the live show all the time? Oh like, yeah, yeah. We have it inside the. <laughs> we we try to whatever you, you know. We right? try to accommodate what whoever is with us is like. We try to be respectful. You know what I mean? If you don't drink, we're not going to drink. You know, if you don't smoke, he's not going to smoke. That's true. That's you know? true. We're, we're like. Um, that's yeah. good. <clears throat> but I'm saying, like, sometimes Dude, we, we have to uh, hang out again. I, I totally dig your company. I love your yeah. stories. Um, you are an OG. You, uh, I, of what I saw on your feed and everything, which is amazing, folks, you got to check out his work. Um, like, uh, I didn't see all the stories, which um, very impressive. And, and uh, yeah, dude, I love it. I want, I want to bring a couple things honored, up. Honored man. to have you on. Looking forward to having you on again. Yeah, I want to definitely bring a couple things up, man, because like, you know, like I said, one of, you've done things that I want to check off my bucket list, man. And like uh, for me, like, uh, for example, playing playing do lab stage, man, that, that was, that, you know, at Coachella, man. I'm just going to bring up a real quick. Ooh, clip, damn. Clip here. I was like, dude, I, mean, I know a lot of artists that's painted at, at, at uh, Coachella, man. You know, I mean, just playing right here, dude, one of the most awesome stages, man. How, you know, and then also uh, setting up. Setting up boiler room, man. Like I, I, I know the contact to do boiler room, but it's kind of like you're always like, when am I ready to actually like present a, a like a set for? You know what I'm talking about, right? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, is this gonna so... actually, is this gonna actually like say like what I want to say in my music, man? So having done two of the items exactly, that exactly, exactly. Having yeah, having done two of the items that I've wanted to do on my bucket list, man. I mean. Uh, you know, were these like as monumental as like I'm saying they are for you? And like, uh, uh, yeah, just t- tell me a little bit about um, your thoughts on these, man. Yeah, Coachella, Coachella. That was the second time I played Coachella. The okay. first time was in 2015 at the Turndown Tent with my crew, Beat Cinema, and that was more just like ambient, kind of like zone out, late night music. But this time that you showed up, um, that you showed, it was it was wild. And um, during it, like I was running around getting sound checked because I played a couple of sets that weekend, getting golf carted around and it didn't really hit me till 
I left and I was on the plane going back to Asia because I was living in Asia at that time. Oh. So on the plane, I was like, yeah, I'm just fine. Dude, I just, I just played Coachella. And then then, like watched all this stuff like, dude, that was so sick. And I got so hyped. Um, While I was playing it, I was just running around like, shit, I'm late. Like, let's do this. It was really weird. Um, But Boiler Room, that was a different story, dude. I was like preparing my set like every day for two weeks up until like two hours before I got on stage and it still wasn't what I wanted. Oh, <laughs> let me just, I'm just going to show, teach. This is uh, what we call DJs. We call boiler room. Basically. It's really like you are the center focus and basically there's people. Normally it's just people in front of you. Right. But this is people all around you, all the way around, you. all the way around oh, you. And then, so it's kind of like, <laughs> show us what you got. You know, you know, oh and, and it's like God. it's kind of for a DJ, really. Hey, this is your chance because a lot of times us DJs, man, we're kind of Dude, like that's a pressure cooker, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be honest, it's like we're a lot of times we're kind of like the background yeah, music. Super... Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm saying a lot of times we're like the background music. We a lot of times don't get appreciated for, especially the th- type of stuff that Dan's doing, man. A lot of turntablism, a lot of like fast cuts, you know, I mean, things like that. It's like, I want to be able to watch exactly what he's doing with his hands. If nerds like me are watching DJs, we're watching what they're doing with their hands. <laughs> like, you know, we're not watching the guy in the back, like dancing with a funny haircut, you know, we want to see if this guy's got skills, you, you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. So, so Dan, tell us a little bit about, like you said, it still wasn't exactly uh, what you wanted to do, man. I mean, like, yeah, well, it, I think it's a classic example of like over, um, like trying to be perfect, you know, like they say, uh, you know, per- perfectionism is the killer of progress, right? So I spent weeks like pulling out all the songs I wanted to use and I just kept switching the order, taking new songs out, putting new songs in, practicing the blends, like, I put, like, out of the that whole set, it was that show. Like after I finished playing, like the energy in that room was, this was probably my most favorite show I've ever played because it's the first time Boiler Room was in Saigon and all the artists were Vietnamese, like local and from the um, diaspora. So it was a very like pivotal moment in Vietnamese, Mm. like electronic music culture. So it was very like super nerve wracking. And it had all three generations of the electronic scene as well. Mm. Wow. Dude, man, I'm, t- I'm telling you right. It's I funny. guarantee you nobody in the audience had any idea. You know no, what I mean? I guarantee you they probably thought this dude just exactly knew what he was doing the no, entire time. And A lot of them knew, but a lot of them didn't. A lot of them, a lot of them, because since Boiler Room is such a famous, like, intellectual property, a lot of them came just because it was the first Boiler Room in Saigon. Yeah, but, yeah. Oh, wow. Dude, man, you're, like, you're making history, man. I mean, like, in terms of, you know. awesome. You got to think about this, man. Electronic music, I mean, the rave scene as we know it only really, really, really began in the 90s, man. I mean, some people can yeah. some people can say earlier, but at the end of the day, it's like sometime in the 90s it started. I mean, yeah. rock music started in the six, like 50, 40s, 50s, you, you know what I mean? And look, it took like 60 years for it to become like legendary, classic, like people respected it. People wear suits and like get up to that. <clears throat> but it's like we're only in 2020, man uh in 21 man like you know i mean from the 90s it's only been like 
you know, not, not that many years, man. Like, you know, so, and this is the future. Comparatively, yes. Comparatively. Yeah. And that, that was like, rock and roll is like the end of analog instruments. You, you know what I mean? Like this new kind of wave of electronic and all this stuff is brand new, man. And for you to be the first, like one of the first DJ to do the boiler room in Vietnam, man, like dude, kudos to you. And you're making history, brother. Seriously, man. Hell yeah, man. Dude, I look forward, I really look forward to hearing uh, what you put out next, my man. Oh, thanks. Dude, can we, uh, you know, we're going to jam out of this uh, with, with one of your songs, man. Can we play one of the songs uh, on oh, your, on your uh, is Didi a good one? Oh, yeah, that's my latest track. It's for a, a Vietnamese rave collective called Nhat Gai. And uh, they got tracks from local and, you know, international Vietnamese people. And um, in here, I sampled, like, some old folk music from Vietnam during uh, 1975. And then also, you know, uh, sounds wow. myself and some recordings from um, you can hear a little bit of like the city uh, recording Saigon the city in it. oh dude that's awesome man well dude man like nice. I said we gotta invite you we're gonna have some uh, uh, in-person episodes at Art Share man we love to freaking kick it with you some more man and uh, like I said you're, you're one of the guests on our show that does both areas man so we'd love to have you on again and uh you know we'll do some work once we meet in person everything like that man it'll be awesome All right. thanks again thanks so much thanks for having me guys it's good it's times cool man rap with y'all and you know kick it time flew by super quick so <laughs> yeah yeah man yeah exactly exactly like i said we'll i'll, I'll holler at you man and uh uh, dude, like I said, we'll, we'll, get, we'll link up in person soon. We actually know some mutual friends, man. I know a lot of guys from uh, Juke, Juke Bounce work and a lot of those guys, you, you know what I mean? So, uh, so hell yeah, dude. We, we got, like I said, we'll link up, man. So thank you so much again for being on the show, brother. Dude, thanks for having me, guys. Hell yeah, man. Uh, to the audience, follow us at PTTP Show. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Thank you very much. Love you guys. Take care and peace.
Hey, what's up? It's James. And teacher. We just want to tell you a few ways that you can support us. Financially. That's right. You can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash show. Inside the Patreon, you can find a few different packages. You got everything from like a dollar all the way up to $5,000. You know, like if you're business, you want to do some advertising, you want to be a guest on the show or something like that. But you know what? We appreciate any way you guys would like to support us. This is just another way of doing it. Or access the shop at lastreart.gallery. Check out the shop as I'm a teacher's original artwork, some stickers, and also other merch coming at you from some of the guests on our show. Thank you very much. Peace. Peace.